Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. From one day to the next, nobody can change the status. Nothing's going to happen in my life. Jesus, I'm sorry, I don't need your help. To be honest, that's where some of you are today. You've been a Christian for a long time. I really don't need your help. I don't need to change. I'm kind of like just satisfied with where I'm at. Don't challenge me. I don't want your help until a crisis comes. Today, Pastor Mark reminds us that temptations are used by Satan to lead us into sin and away from God's will. He points out that in every enticement, the decision to give in and sin is your choice and yours alone. Doing the wrong thing is called the sin of commission. You're essentially agreeing to carry out Satan's special orders, like he's commissioned an important painting or a statue. The problem here is you're not Michelangelo and you don't want the payment he has to offer. Listen in to learn how to finally stop being lured in by this fraud. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 15, with his continuing study entitled, Trials Are Trying and Temptations Are Tempting. There's three real reasons for temptation. James gives us the bottom line. Let me give you the first. Peter, in his book, says, Satan is like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour. So Satan tempts us. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, says this. The world wants to squeeze you into its way of thinking and living. So the world system tempts us. James says right here, here's the bottom line. Temptation comes from within us, from our old sinful nature. Just turn to your neighbor right now and say, the problem with temptation is me. Just go ahead, turn to your neighbor right now. Come on, say it, the problem. No, Pastor Mark, the devil made me do it. No, 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 no. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm a Christian. What, What do you mean my old sinful nature? You see, when you got saved, transformed, The thing that got transformed was your spirit. We're body, soul, and spirit. You were left with the same body. Wouldn't it be nice to get saved and you'd go to your ideal weight immediately with muscles? Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's going to happen in heaven. That's going to happen in heaven. And your mind, will, and emotions hasn't changed. So I'm left, even though I'm I'm saved, I'm sealed for eternity, I'm left with this old sinful nature. And there's this battle that goes on in my life, just like in yours. So that battle is what James talks about. He warns us, and you want to write it like this, temptation comes from our own sinful desires. 
It doesn't shock any of us when we're tempted, but we're tempted so many crazy ways. Now, here's the big deal. I want you to look at me as you finish writing that. Being tempted is not a sin. It's giving in to the temptation that's a sin. Jesus, in all ways, was tempted just like us, so he never sinned. So being tempted, you, you can't avoid being tempted. It's going to happen. Now, as we begin to think about that, look at verse 15. Because temptation, when I give in to temptation, it begins this whole cycle of bad things. Look at verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, when it's experienced out, gives birth to death. So... I can't blame anyone for my sin. I myself are responsible for that choice. So let's write it like this. In every temptation, everyone, the decision to give in and sin is mine. It's my choice. Now, as we talk about sin, when I mention the word sin... Most people think of one kind of sin. I'm going to give you two kinds of sin. So you got to kind of put your thinking cap on a little bit. And I think you're going to see it very clearly. Most of us think sin is something like this. Something we do wrong. And, and we think, commit adultery? Yeah, if I do that, it's wrong. A steal from somebody? That's wrong. If I lie? Actually, the Bible says don't do that. So that's a sin. Absolutely. So here's the first thing you want to write. This is true. Doing the wrong thing is sin. The sin of commission. I committed the sin. I carried it out. So that's, most Christians, that's all we think about. Pastor Mark, I didn't commit adultery. I, I didn't steal. I didn't lie. I'm, I'm cool. But there's another sin. James, in chapter 4, when we get there, we'll be reminded of it. Watch what James says. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. Whoa. That's the sin of omission. I omit to do the right thing. I didn't do any bad thing. I just didn't do the right thing. So here's how you want to write it. Not doing the right thing is also sin. The sin... Of omission. Now, most of us don't, don't really care about that. I don't know. Yeah, that's difficult. What's that look like? Well, let me give you some. Love our neighbors as ourselves. That's biblical from God. Are we? Hmm. Forgive those who hurt us. I didn't murder them. I wanted to. No. D did you forgive them? Go into all the world. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. Quickly carry out the word God has assigned us. So not doing the right thing is a sin. Now, next week I'm going to talk about temptation to do the wrong thing. We're going to spend the whole time how that works, how we fall into that. Today we're going to talk about the temptation not to do the right thing. Now let me explain some of that to you. I think it's huge for us as we begin to think about it. If I'm thinking about temptation, doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing, then this word's going to come to my mind. It's called change. Typically, we don't like change. Kind of like just get in a rut and just stay it that way. 
Well, when you become accustomed, there's got to be change. Now, there's an interesting principle in the Bible. Here's what it says. God never changes. So if there's going to be change, who's going to have to change? Let's just raise our hands together. If there's going to be change, no, God, I don't like what you said. We have churches today that teach you, well, if you don't like it, don't do it. No, God never changes. His word's true. We have a whole thing with that today. Oh, just do whatever you want to do. As long as you're a good person, you're going to heaven. That's 100% false. See, God doesn't change. But he will help me change. I want to give you three kind of principles. I'm going to do it very quick, but I want you to think about it. Number one, Jesus said in the Great Commission... The Great Commission is this. Go into all the world, teach them what I've taught you, and make disciples of them. So if, if I'm going to go into all the world, I'm going to have to be a disciple, and, and I'm going to have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ so that I can help other people be followers of Jesus Christ. Let me just stop right now and, and put this out to all the campuses. Stop right there. Boom. You're not murderers, but are you carrying out the Great Commission? When's the last time you made a disciple? Are you involved with people that you could make them disciples? Are you still becoming a disciple? You see, you can not do the right thing, and it's still sin. Here's the second one. Paul says in Ephesians, keep on being filled with the Spirit of God. Keep on overflowing with the power of God. Well, Pastor Mark, I, I, I was filled back in 1974. Cool. How are you doing today? Well, it was 74. It ain't 74. So if I'm not keeping filled, am I missing the mark? Yes, I am. Now, here's another one. You won't like this one, but I'm giving it to you anyway. When you walked in this morning at all our campuses, don't you think about this? When you walked in this morning at all of our campuses and we passed the offering and the bag went down your row, I want to ask everybody a question. And if you did it, I want you just kindly to raise your hand and say, that was me. How many of you took something out? Of the offering plate. Let let me see your hand. I've got ushers and police standing by. So, Pastor Mark, what are you, crazy? I wouldn't rob God. I mean, I'd rob some people, but definitely not God. Really? Well, let me read you a passage. And this is a pretty shocking passage. Let me read it. I'm going to do it very quick, so don't get nervous. It's okay. Old Testament. Jesus in Malachi starts out and he says this. I'm the Lord and I do not change. We've already covered that. If somebody's going to change, it's going to have to be me. Then he says in verse 8. Why do people rob me? Yet you ask me, well, wait a minute. What do you mean? We never cheated you. We never robbed you. And here's how God responds. Oh, you robbed me of the tithes and the offerings that are due to me. Pastor Mark, it got quiet. What is God saying? Well, God says this. Everything we have comes from who? God. So is everything I have his? It's getting weaker as we move along. Yes. So if I don't tithe 10% off the top, I don't give up offerings, I don't generously do that, am I actually robbing God? Yes. 
For some of you, you're going to have to take that home and think about it a while. Absolutely you are. Why is it in the Bible? Because God's saying to those people, no, 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 you, you've stopped giving to me. You stopped Pastor Mark, and I like this. I don't care. God's not going to change, and I'm not going to change his word. So he says this. Here's his solution. So bring the tithe, start tithing, bring your offerings, and if you do, I'll open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. So put me to the test. Do you know when I rob God, I rob me? Because God will not give to me so I can give to others. Now, many of you do great, but I just want to challenge you with that this morning. That's like making disciples. That's like being filled with the Spirit. That's like love your neighbor. Here's another one. Do unto others, finish it with me, as you'd want them to do unto me. Well, if I'm not doing that, that's the sin of what? Omission. And it's a sin. So it's hard as we got walking through this. Now, I'm going to challenge you with something this morning. You're going to like this part. You probably didn't like the other part, but that's okay. I give it to you anyway. Now, let me give you the background. Jesus is teaching on the Sea of Galilee. The crowd's so big that he looks around and he sees a boat of Peter's. Peter's cleaning the net. So he gets in the boat and moves out of the water so people can hear. After he's done teaching, he says to Peter, we're taking the boat out deep. And there's this whole interaction with Peter and Jesus. And, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go very quickly. I'm going to go through all the times that Peter could go, I'm not doing that. You're, you're asking me to go out in the water in the, in the daylight? I mean, we did it last night. There was no fish. I ain't going out there. I don't need your help. I don't want your help. Nothing's going to change in my life. I'm not interested. So he's tempted not to do the right thing. Now, let me see if you can get this. When Jesus says, follow me, what's the right thing to do? Hello? Follow him. So he's going to have to work through that. Jesus isn't going to change. Who's going to have to change? Peter. If this was you, by the way, it was you if you're a Christian. Jesus was always offering, come and follow me. And to follow Jesus, you have to change. It's called repent. So watch these. I'm going to go through them. At the beginning, Jesus says to Peter, hey, do you need any help? And Peter says, there's nothing to help with. So what was Peter tempted to say? Here's the first one. He's tempted to believe there's no need for God's help in his life. Are you tempted to do that? You see, what Peter was saying is this. Look, I've been fishermen in this village forever. Nothing changes. Every day is the same thing. It's just a boring existence from one day to the next. Nobody can change the status. Nothing's going to happen in my life. Jesus, I'm sorry. I don't need your help. To be honest, that's where some of you are today. You've been a Christian for a long time. And I really don't need your help. I don't need to change. I'm kind of like just satisfied with where I'm at. Don't challenge me. I don't want your help until a crisis comes. And Jesus is saying to us, oh, you need my help. You can't do life without me. Well, Jesus gets into Peter's boat. He doesn't even listen to Peter. And Peter says to Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus says, we're going fishing. And Peter says, 
I'm telling you, there's no fish out there. I fished all last night. The time you're supposed to fish, carpenter. That's exactly right. You would have said it the same way. So what is he tempted to say to Jesus? What is he tempted to think? Here it is. He's tempted to think that we know more than God. Now, Jesus, come on. I'm not rowing out there. There ain't nothing out there. There was nothing last night. There's sure nothing in the daylight. Are you here this morning and saying when God says, come on, we're going to do this? Come on, God. Are you crazy? No, this is the all-knowing God. This is the all-knowing God. So he, he can be tempted numbers of times. Here's what I'm trying to do. He's not murdering. He's not stealing. He's not committing adultery. But he's refusing maybe to do the right thing. Here's the next interaction in their comments. When they get out there, Jesus touches that water. Wouldn't you like to have been there? Ooh. And fish come Fishy, 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 fishy. They come from everywhere. And he pulls up the net crammed full of fish. And here's Peter's response. How did this happen? What was he tempted to do all this time? Here it is. He was tempted to doubt the supernatural. You see, if you're a Christian this morning and you're tempted to believe this, that the supernatural's gone, God doesn't do miracles today, he's not really changing people like he used to be, then you're in trouble. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And every weekend, many people change and become Christians. That's the greatest miracle you'll ever discover. He's still in the miracle working business. By the way, you and I, if we follow him, we get to be involved in that. That's, that's amazing. That's what Peter's eyes are beginning to see. So don't put God in your little box. There's nothing you can do to help me. It isn't going to happen. Now next, Peter says, how did that happen? Jesus never answers the question. Instead, he basically says to Peter, Peter, do the right thing. Come and follow me. This offer of choosing to follow Jesus and doing the right thing, that's what Jesus does. That's how every single person becomes a believer. But Jesus knew this, that when he made that offer, some people would choose. The greatest gift you have is the ability to choose. God never forces anybody to follow him or to obey him. God knew that when he offered it, some people would accept, do the right thing. Some wouldn't accept. They wouldn't do the right thing. So here's a big temptation for us. Tempted not to change. What will Peter do when he says, follow me? You see, the biggest temptation in people's lives is not to do the wrong thing. It's not to do the right thing. At the end of the service, you'll hear a verse like this. The sin that will send you and I permanently to hell forever, is the sin of not repenting. That's what Jesus says. It isn't that I was a murderer. I ripped people off my whole life. That isn't the sin that separates us from God. It's a sin of refusing to C-H-A-N-G-E, which means 
repent. Now, as you begin to think about that, what did Peter do? He followed him. We'll see that in a moment. What happened? Not only did Peter do that, by the way, Peter at this point, his name was Simon. Jesus not only changed him, he changed his name. Then we see him on the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter throws out the net as he's preaching his first sermon. And what does he pull in as he's preaching the first sermon? 3,000 fish. People. What was he doing? Changing his world for Jesus Christ. If you're a follower of Christ this morning, that's what we're supposed to do, is change our world for Jesus Christ. Now, I thought about this a lot. I don't have time to really develop it except to say this to you. What if Peter had refused to do the right thing and follow Jesus? You know what? We'd never hear any more about Peter. He wouldn't have written a book. You wouldn't know anything more about Peter because he would have refused to do the right thing. Not only that, he would have remained in that little village forever. One morning to the next morning to the next morning to the next morning. Boring, same, routine. If nothing changes, nothing changes. No challenge in his life. No change in his life. No impact on his world. Nobody wants to live that way. You don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. Well, if I'm not going to live that way, I have to change. And the reason we don't like to change is because it's all about me. Change is hard. But God never changes. I have to change. Now, I don't want to introduce you to somebody this morning. His name is Naidu. Now, Naidu, when he was a first and second year student, when you're a first and second year student in the seminary in India, uh, you, you go out for two months in the summer, and you just go out to a village, and you start evangelizing. Uh, there's no churches, there's no, there's just people. And you go out. So his first time, they sent him to a village, like 25 hours away by bus, I mean by a train. And he's in this village, and he walks in, and this Indian man comes over to him and says, what are you doing here? The village would be about 1,000 people, so you kind of get an idea what it is. You know, 1.2 billion people in India, so they're everywhere. And the man says, what are you doing here? He says, well, I'm a Christian, and I came to uh, let the people know about Jesus Christ. He said, oh, no, you're not. He said, well, uh, I'm sorry, that's what I'm going to do. So he started sharing from little camp and little homes to little tents to whatever, sharing about Jesus Christ. That night, they imprisoned him. 18-year-old, first time really away from home, in prison. GFA heard about it, sent somebody, got him released from prison. Then he sent them to another town, a little safer town. When he got to the town, here's what he discovered in the little town where he's going to minister. There were absolutely no facilities for potties. No outhouse, nothing. Okay, so once again, here are the differences between trials and temptations. Trials are used by God as an opportunity to help us endure and mature. Temptations are used by Satan to lead us into sin and away from God. It's not a matter of if, but when you'll experience both. Don't be surprised if they happen together. Be encouraged because God's word promises the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In his letter, James addresses 
practical issues of life that are as well as current as this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is, well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial, marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. Are you tempted to believe there's no need for God's help in your life so you don't pray? Are you tempted to think you know more than God so you don't have to obey? Do you doubt he's capable of anything so you don't trust? These questions could be overlooked as areas of sin. James 4.17 says, remember, it's a sin to know what you should do and then not do it. So, Christian, what are you not doing? We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of James. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your 